Sora. Previously on Legacy Door. That's my sister. Yeah, Dan filled me in. Does she model? <laughs> um, no. I remember when I was eight, I was marrying one of my Barbies to Ken. It was a brunette Barbie, probably Belle from Beauty and the Beast or something. And during the ceremony, I called them Vanessa and Daniel. I don't know why. I can barely remember games I played at that age. Oh, well, that one sticks out because my Barbies disappeared right after that. Jerry's phone. Why, hello there. Is this Joyce again? Yeah. Have the boys made you their receptionist? Apparently. It's about Dan. I just got a call from him, and he said that that he would be going away for a while. On business for his Uncle Arthur, and, well, for one thing, it seemed sudden, and for another, he sounded a little off. By the end of lunch, Vanessa and Justin had formed a tentative partnership, though Brant was still keeping her at emotional arm's length. And Joyce now seemed like the best prospect. Plus, Julia liked her, and Vanessa trusted Julia's opinion of people more than her own. Legacy Door, Episode 2.8, Tension. Joyce Vera, 1250 p.m. The phone call with Gina had put Joyce in a mind to clean up her act a little, at least in the short term. So after a few minutes of touch time with Jerry while he dried off, she went into the shower and stayed until she felt purified. She had just emerged, wearing a white robe, plus a white towel wrapped around her head when she heard an electronic melody. It took her a moment to remember it was her own generic ringtone. She didn't know the calling number, but it had a Chicago area code, and she'd been handing out her card enough that she felt she ought to answer. She settled back on the couch and braced for a telemarketer as she said, Hello? Hi, this is Vanessa Dorn. Is this Joyce? Joyce's eyes opened a little wider and she found herself checking that her towel and robe were wrapped tight. She'd spent her life trying not to care what popular girls thought of her, but apparently there were buttons inside her that could still be pushed. Uh, yes, it is. Hello? Again? (laughs) Sorry, I'm sure I'm butting in in the middle of something, but I was wondering if we could have coffee, maybe later today? Absolutely, said Joyce, while her brain was still trying to fully engage. Why had she agreed so quickly, she queried herself, without asking what it was about. Well, she answered herself, she'd been planning to go out for coffee anyway. Jerry's was good, but he disapproved of adulterations and flavorings that Joyce enjoyed as occasional treats. And, she reasoned, why not have it with the mystery girl from Dan's stories? Besides, from the first moment she saw her... Joyce had wondered what her hands might make out of Vanessa's face and form. I just stepped out of the shower, Joyce began with a small laugh. She'd stepped out of the shower hours later than anyone on a normal schedule. But I'd be up for it once I dry off. Do you have anywhere in mind? Um, is there somewhere good near you? Soon, a time was set, even as Joyce shook her head at the suddenness of it. Do you know anything about Dan's cousin, Vanessa? She shouted to Jerry. Nope, he said, entering the room and craning to briefly kiss the back of Joyce's unusually exposed neck from behind her. I don't think I've met any of his family except his mom. Or maybe I'm forgetting. Is she rich? Is she pretty? Yeah, said Joyce, mentally running through the local cafes. Then I suppose I'd remember her. You most certainly would. Justin Brandt, 
12.51 p.m. Well, I'd done it, I thought as I returned to my office. Having found myself suspended over a chasm, with a sinister client tempting me to break the law on one side, and a beautiful stranger urging me to betray said client on the other, I'd done my best to keep my freedom to swing back and forth as needed. And the reward for said effort was to quite possibly end up disbarred, in prison, dead, or with my brilliant legal mind otherwise lost to the world. I tried to look at my screen, but it was difficult to make my eyes focus. It had been hard enough to work on the Strauss case knowing that my client might sabotage anything I set up for him and blame it on me, but now I also knew that the man I was helping was part of some conspiracy, whether or not it was as wide-ranging and spooky as Vanessa Dorn suspected. And by representing him, I might be helping said conspiracy progress towards its as-yet-unknown goals. I tried to reassure myself on that score. If Strauss's conspiracy relied on him being released from jail, it wasn't much of a conspiracy, because it was becoming increasingly clear that that wasn't happening, no matter how brilliant my preparations were. Not unless an alternative suspect confessed very convincingly, or the most controversial pardon of all time was on the way. He wouldn't even do the most elementary thing and let me try the case. Being found not guilty seemed to be, as Cal Herndon had put it, irrelevant. So, if my legal work wasn't going to inadvertently aid the forces of evil, was there a danger that the illegal work Armory was offering would do so? A lot of unknowns, but the prudent answer was obviously yes, or they wouldn't be soliciting me to do it. In which case, it was finally time to speculate on what was in that pen. The first possibility was the one Armory had stated, alternative medicine. Easy to dismiss as ludicrous, except that Vanessa Dorn said the conspiracy had something to do with medicine. Maybe there was something in there that he needed, or thought he needed, every few days. Of course, if Strauss went to prison for real, he'd better find another way of getting it, or this would get expensive, even for him. The second to occur to me was poison. On paper, it makes sense. A man is accused of killing his daughter, and he's looking at a trial he's sure to lose, followed by a long prison sentence. A natural reaction would be remorse, and despair, and wanting a way out. But Jonathan Strauss was not a man of natural reactions. His behavior toward me exhibited neither remorse nor despair, and outside of that, he had apparently spent the time between the deaths and the arrival of the police writing the letter Armory showed me. So whatever this delivery was, it wasn't the product of his time in jail. He had foreseen it well before we met, with some level of cold calculation. Maybe, I thought, it was something recreational. Though that seemed hard to believe. I mean, addicts do stupid stuff to get drugs, that's almost definitional. But someone on Strauss's level, using me as the world's most expensive mule? True, he was, as Corver Reese had noted, being held in a special cell, all by his lonesome, so he wouldn't be able to buy fun pills from fellow inmates like God intended. But even so, there was surely some underpaid corrections officer who could reliably provide junk for well under 1% of what Armory was offering me. The procedures for these things were established. Perhaps Strauss had highly refined tastes, and the pen contained something the existing network didn't have, and they would balk at delivering something they couldn't identify. Possible lesson for me in there somewhere. None of these seemed to justify the payment I was being offered, or to put me in much of a moral bind. So what would? 
all I could think of is if the substance would somehow free him from prison. An extreme possibility, to say the least, but Vanessa was clearly hiding some whole category of information and information sources. It didn't feel like she was doing it to save bargaining chips, or because she was afraid I'd blab. She seemed honestly desperate to have me on her side as a full partner. That was a big reason why I believed her. So why would she hold back? Hypothesis. Because she was afraid I'd bolt if she told me more. Because the truth was too unbelievable, and therefore extreme possibilities could not be dismissed. And then the last and simplest possibility. It was nothing. Just ink. And this whole exercise was to test me and get me onto their payroll. Or it was one of the previous ones, but the reason they were willing to pay so much was because of the added bonus of hooking me, including possibly being able to blackmail me. A little disturbed by that possibility, I thought over the rest of them again. Poison continued to make the most objective sense, while escape fit Vanessa's story the best. Well, whatever the stuff was, potential blackmail was looming large enough to pretty much overwhelm the rest of the pack. So decision made, right? Not quite. If I was siding with Ms. Dorn against these jokers, then their propositions to me were now valuable clues to their intentions. And we needed more. So much so that I could see myself going all the way around to making the delivery just so they would think I was on their side. I put my head in my hands. This covert stuff just kept going around and around. Using a trick from law school, I gave myself a moment to be overwhelmed, disengaged myself from everything, and then re-engaged, and looked at things with fresh eyes. That did help put it all in perspective, but one thing stayed constant. This was the judgment call of a lifetime, and that created certain responsibilities on my part. I raised my head and picked up my cell phone. Time to finally bring Jaina up to speed. She had a big presentation the next week for the environmental group she worked for, and had designated this as the night to concentrate on it to the exclusion of all distractions. But I had to at least try. My text. I know we were going to each do our own things tonight, but something big is brewing and I need a consult. Make you dinner? Pause, pause, pause. I decide that Murphy's Law dictated that nothing would happen if I just sat there waiting. I wait a few moments anyway. Then I bring up my notes for tomorrow's conference with Strauss, notes which might be completely immaterial based on whatever decision I made. I get lost in outlining a couple legal issues, and then, naturally, ping goes the phone, and the screen reads, Oh, just when I was about to buckle down and face my commitments? Of course. Yum. The term swell gal has sadly fallen out of use. But if they need a poster girl for a comeback, I've got a nominee. And I had come way too close to screwing things up with her. So for the rest of the day, no matter what I worked on, the back of my mind developed a presentation of my own. Maybe it wouldn't be as global as the one Jaina was working on, but some of the truths would be just as inconvenient. Vanessa Dorn, 3.10 p.m. Vanessa showed up first for the meeting, which had been scheduled for quarter after three-ish, at a very bright caffeine dispensary with tastefully minimalist decor. 
She sat down without ordering and was mentally going over her goals for the encounter when Joyce walked in. Joyce was again dressed very differently from Sunday. Her hair was scrunchied into a high ponytail, mostly dark below the hairband and blonde above it. Her legs were in tight black jeans, her torso in a well-cut black t-shirt, with words in yellow courier type scrambled over it, snaking around at different angles. A woman born, but not a one is genius, rather, becomes... As Vanessa spent a moment trying to remember if this was a disarranged Simone de Beauvoir quote, or a combination of two, Joyce walked up. Hi. Oh, hi. Sorry, I was trying to read your shirt. Oh, yeah. I always buy something like this thinking it'll be a conversation starter, but then I forget I'm wearing it. So when someone tries to comment, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Vanessa smiled, amused but preoccupied. They spent a moment silently deciding that their greeting did not require any physical contact. Then Vanessa said, Shall we go up and order something? Definitely. They passed an awkward half-minute in line behind a pair of ladies who were gradually deciding what they wanted. Vanessa blamed herself for the awkwardness. She didn't want to launch anything serious while standing in line, and she wasn't sure what small talk to use. She now felt that she should have ordered when she first got there and let Joyce go up on her own. Joyce was silently smiling, but the smile was looking steadily more strained as she waited for some indication of the nature of this meeting. What's good? Um, everything's pretty good. I guess the various cappuccinos are their specialty. Vanessa ordered something relatively unadorned. Joyce ordered something iced with a lot of frills. Not what Vanessa would have expected. Compositing Joyce's natural but elegant demeanor on Sunday with her looks here and in the photos, she'd have expected her to drink nothing but straight java, possibly topped up with bourbon on special occasions. But instead, it was something Vanessa could not help thinking of as girly. Vanessa had a momentary impulse to pick up the tab, but decided that might seem weird, so each of them paid for their own. Returning to the table Vanessa had staked out, they took a moment to sip. Thank you for coming on no notice. It's no problem. I was thinking about coffee anyways, and I was curious what you'd want to talk about. Well, there are a few things. Julia told me you sculpt. Yeah. And you might be looking for a model? Ha! Huh, funny. I just said something to her in passing, but I guess she picked right up on it. She's quite the matchmaker. Unbidden, Vanessa remembered hearing Julia playing with her dolls ten years earlier. Do you, Daniel, take Vanessa as your lawful wedded wife? <laughs> yeah, said Vanessa, trying to laugh away the memory. She picks up on things no one else notices, and I guess tries to fix everyone. I could have used a sister like that. All I had were little brothers, and all they ever fixed were cars. I never appreciated her enough, not until I went to college and realized I missed her. That's the way, isn't it? I really miss my boys sometimes, even though they were gross as fuck. The casual profanity got Vanessa laughing. For real. Dangerously so. It wasn't the torrent she had spewed at Abby, but it came from the same spring of lifelong tension. And there were new sources, too. She remembered thinking Dan was gross once, but that hadn't stopped her going from crying on his shoulder to bobbing her head on his lap in record time. You okay? I... I guess... I guess I got myself thinking about people I miss. So I'm laughing to keep from crying. I've kind of driven everyone away. That must have taken effort. 
You seem like someone people would want to be around. Vanessa smirked and thought of all the goodbyes of the last few days. I've been pretty diligent about it. Joyce's smile fell. Well, if you don't mind me being direct, that makes me feel self-protective. I take my friendship seriously, especially with women, and I don't feel like being the next one you burn through. Vanessa froze, feeling caught out. She'd known frank people and perceptive people, but none of them had gotten there this fast. She'd known her roommate for months before Mag started calling her on her bullshit. I... Vanessa began, but every lie and truth that came to mind seemed impossible to say. I'm sorry. What exactly is this? Vanessa felt paralyzed. Do you really want to model for me? I do, said Vanessa, realizing in the moment that it was true. She wanted this woman who saw so much so clearly to really look at her and show everyone what she saw. But the answer was incomplete. I really do, but that's not why I asked you here. Why did you? Dan. The word came straight out of Vanessa's anxieties. I need to know some things about Dan. I always feel itchy when a woman says need and some guy's name in the same sentence. Especially when I've been through it before about the same guy. That was with Brenda? Yeah. This is not at all the conversation I expected to have. Vanessa sympathized, but wanted to continue what she'd started. Do you know him well? I thought I did. I thought I had him figured out and tied up in a bow, good and bad. But I can't square that with someone like you coming to me crying over him. I'm not, began Vanessa, then her voice was interrupted by a hiccup. Oh God. Don't hide from your emotions. And if you want my help, don't hide them from me. I don't want to overshare. I doubt that'll be a problem. Listen, I've been dealing with you lutchers for days now. I'm on the hook. I want to know the story. So spill. Vanessa wanted to object that she was a Dorn, not a lutcher. The lutchers were those other people, the distraction. She didn't belong with them. She belonged with Julia and Kevin, Graham, Sandra, her dad. By the end of that thought, she didn't believe herself anymore. Joyce was right. Vanessa bucked up her courage and commenced spilling. Dan and I noticed a bunch of strange things about our family, separately. Then we compared notes and figured out more. We were going to look into it together. When did you guys start on this? Together? <laughs> Yesterday afternoon. Vanessa gave a dry laugh. Joyce matched the laugh. Uh, well, good to know he wasn't hiding that from me. I was beginning to doubt my perceptiveness. No, it uh, all happened pretty fast. Something about Vanessa's response struck Joyce. Her jaw dropped. Then she took a moment to shake her head quickly like a dog shaking off water. Okay. But now it's over already? Vanessa... Glad Joyce was leaving her deduction unsaid, answered, He left me a note saying it was all a big mistake and goodbye. And you think that meant the investigation? I think it meant everything. Joyce closed her eyes and covered them with her hands. Oh man, what am I getting myself into? Okay, you want my help to figure out what the fuck is up with him? Vanessa nodded, 
Then, since Joyce was still covering her eyes, forced herself to say, Yes. Out loud. Then I need to put together as complete a picture as I can. And that means getting into things that are none of my business. All right? All right. Did he spend last night with you? Yes. Phew. And left you the note this morning? Yes. Sometime before eight? Yes. How did you know that? Because he was with me a little after eight. Vanessa's eyes burned, and the burning felt like jealousy. She didn't want it, but there it was. Joyce's eyes opened at last, and she immediately recognized what she saw in Vanessa's. Don't worry. Nothing happened. Everything that's ever happened between Dan and me happened at that party, and you saw the worst of it. Vanessa chuckled bitterly. (laughs) He said you did that in order to get girls interested. Oh, I was mostly kidding about that. Well, I hope it's okay if I blame you a little. That I got interested. (laughs) I guess that's fair. But you did see him this morning. What happened? I was at Jerry's, where he stays sometimes. Dan came in, packed up his stuff, said he was moving out, and left. No forwarding address. Was that normal for him? Not really. It was pretty cold and clipped for him. But we'd left it kind of cold on Sunday. That piqued Vanessa's curiosity. They'd seem so friendly. Yeah? The things with me blow hot and cold sometimes. It's a hazard of always wanting to talk honestly about what's really happening. But I hoped it would blow over. But you didn't, I I don't know, challenge him about it this morning? No. I knew something was off, but him moving out seemed logical. Plus, I was a little the worse for wear, so my brain was behind the curve. Vanessa thought about all of this hard. There were clues here if she could put aside her emotional baggage and see them. And he didn't say anything else. He... Let's see. He had me screen a call from his mom. (laughs) Now I'm wondering if that was to get me off his back rather than her. Could have been both. Could have been both. He's a clever boy. Oh, and he asked me if I'd seen his laptop. Jackpot, thought Vanessa. That was key. The closest thing to proof that he really didn't know about the things he'd left in the car. This realization must have showed on her face, because Joyce queried, What? I think... Vanessa started, but then she considered. Unlike Brant, Joyce had no vital interest in this. Ven shouldn't just casually share everything with her. She started again. Listen, you've been very helpful, and I'm grateful, but what I'm thinking gets into heavy things that you won't be able to unhear. Are you sure you want to get involved? There was a bright flare in Joyce's eyes. I don't back down from a fight. Not even when it doesn't involve you? Especially then. I'm kind of an idiot that way. Okay, said Ven judgmentally with raised eyebrows, letting out another bit of old Vanessa. Like Dan, Joyce seemed amused by this rather than offended, and this gave Vanessa the encouragement she needed. Well, I'm not an expert, but... It seems like Dan's had something like a psychotic break. He left my... motel room. Oh God, she thought, I actually said that out loud. And took off, as if he didn't know much about himself. He left behind a bunch of things just because they weren't in plain sight. Joyce looked concerned. Vanessa could see she really cared about Dan, despite her tough talk. And that included his laptop? Vanessa nodded. So, he leaves it with you. And then he's asking me if I've seen it, less than an hour later. That's pretty scatterbrained, even for him. 
Vanessa nodded again. Have you talked to Gina? Vanessa shook her head. Not in years. Not since before my Uncle Thomas died. Oh, but I should have, she thought. I should have been helping everyone console her rather than trying to exchange V-cards with her son. We... I liked her a lot, but I didn't show it much. Hmm. Was there a reason why not? Something you can sum up? I never forgave her for giving birth to Dan. The women looked at each other for a silent moment, then shared a cleansing mutual laugh, after which Joyce said, Reason I ask is that she called me earlier this afternoon, not long before you did, and I told her the same story. Vanessa's smile fell, and she riveted her attention. She said Dan called her and said he was going away. She was pretty down about it. She didn't say it, but I'll bet she picked up some of the same coldness I did but had a harder time explaining it. Did he tell her where he was going? Somewhere for work, with his new job. That doesn't make any sense. His job is to be around when Dad wants him, and Dad isn't going anywhere. He's too sick. So, he could be straight up lying, or maybe he's moved into your house. My dad's house. That's not where I live, and it's not where I'm staying. Dad doesn't know I'm still in the state, hopefully. Hmm. Seems like there's a lot more to this than just what's happened to Dan. Lots more. But what happened to him is the key to figuring it all out. I'm sure of that now. And from your point of view, you saw him, slept with him, and then you wake up and he's gone and there's just the note. No hints it was going to happen? Lots of hints, said Vanessa. But now she was looking around at the other patrons. With their talk touching on the wider conspiracy, the coffee shop seemed a lot smaller. But... Can we go somewhere more private? Sure. Your hotel? Or maybe Jerry's place? Is there some place where Dan hasn't been? There's a studio I'm using. Do you have a car? Uh, not near here. Well, I guess it's bus or Uber then. I thought I saw you driving a car at the party. Joyce looked like she couldn't believe Vanessa was for real. That wasn't mine. That was when my dad was selling. Do I look like I'd own a car like that? I honestly couldn't say. Being rich makes you stupid. You have been listening to Legacy Door, episode 2.8, Tension. Jamie Gosling was the primary narrator at Gina. Michelle Limone was Joyce Vera. Stacey Tappan was Vanessa Dorn. John Dre was Justin Brandt. And Teresa Echeveste was Julia Dorn. The opening music was Ethereal Thoughts by Victor Wayne. The closing music is Space Travel by Melancholic Bird. You can hear more from them on Toon Tank. The Legacy Door cover photograph is by Roxana and Ash. This episode's cover image is Spilled Coffee Beans by Math. You can find more of their images on Unsplash. So, Justin and Vanessa are starting to realize how far over their heads they've gone. And next week we'll close out the season as they look for help in episode 2.9, Recruitment. And of course, we'd love to recruit you into our quite elite army of supporters and see you comment or tag us on Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, or Facebook, or review us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can also show support by purchasing the novel on Amazon or the audiobook at Audible, among other places. This is presented by Dueling Genre Productions, home of the returned superhero audio drama Geek by Night. Legacy Door is copyright 2021 by Bob J. Kester, 
all rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester. Thank you for listening.